Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is We Don't Talk About, Part 1, Death and Taxes, recorded Sunday, August 7th, 2022. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcdc.org. Now here's Josh with today's message. It is, I don't, I don't know if odd is the right word to use, uh, but it is... Um, very evident that our our culture our um, our culture just really doesn't like to talk about certain subjects. I mean, if you've ever been at one of those Thanksgiving dinners where you're about to bring something up and then all of a sudden you have a hand on your shoulder and and Aunt Sally's going, "Hey, shh, hey, we just we just don't talk about that. Hey, we're we're not going to talk about that today." Or, "Hey, great." Grandma doesn't want you to bring that up. Like, anybody ever been, like, have you been victim to that? Like, there's subjects that it's like, we're just not going to bring them up. And there could be a variety of reasons that we do that. It could be like, um, it's going to bring unwanted, like, in someone's mind, it's going to bring unwanted stress into someone's world. Uh, I think at times there's things we don't want to talk about because we're a little, uh, maybe a little anxious about us having to own responsibility uh, for the subject. So like if I have some kind of uh, role that I played that I'm going to have to apologize for, I'm going to be like, hey, we're just not going to talk about this. This isn't. Or if it's like you, you always bring it up in the wrong time and place, we're just not going to talk about it. Or sometimes people are just like, I am, I am tired of being the one that is always having to bring it up. I'm done. I just don't want to talk about it. So the month of August, which is, which is really fun because this is the month where kind of in Third City's life, everybody comes back to church. We get to see new people. We get to see people we haven't seen all summer uh, because of vacations and baseball or whatever, the lake. Uh, and so what we decided to do is to talk about a bunch of uncomfortable stuff now that you're back. <laughs> Welcome. And so like some of you guys are like, Man, this is my first week here, and like I'm ready to bounce now. And some of you guys are like, okay, they're doing this again. There was a reason they haven't seen me since May. I'm out. You've got three options of how to handle the month of August. I want to give you these options. Option one, uh, you can like quietly just gather your things in your chair and look for an opportune moment in the message to just kind of slip out the side. And as you go out the door, as our, as our uh, greeters and our first impressions people make eye contact with you, all you have to do is do this. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I'll see you in September. That is option one, hoping you don't do that. Option two uh, has been made popular by social media. Option two, you can like quietly slip out, go freshen your coffee, uh, man, grab some kind of snack and just come in and go, man, this is going to create drama. I can't wait. Like you guys know the Michael Jackson gif on the social media feed of him doing this in the thriller video? Like, just eating popcorn going, I can't wait for the drama this is going to create. Uh, that's another option. The option I'm hoping that you'll step into is a third option of a posture of humility and wisdom and a willingness to learn that God might have something for you today. Because like genuinely, as I looked at this passage in Mark 12, there was a lot of content for me and I believe that God has some content for you. And I know that we've already prayed this morning, but I would like to take a specific posture of prayer before we step into Mark 12 uh, that I use when I realize I'm needing to hear something from God uh, that I would like to invite you to do this. So uh, if you've got anything in your hands, I'd like to just set it down. 
and normally like people might pray like this or this. I would like you to just open palms on your knees. I can't do it because I'm standing and this is awkward. Uh, so like wall sit. Here we go. I would like you to just sit with your hands on your thighs, palms up and in a posture of going, God, what do you have for me? I would like you to just sit here for a minute and I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump into today's content. Father God, uh, you have us here today for a reason. Uh, you've given us your words so that you can speak to us. And Father, I pray this morning that you would give us wise and humble hearts that are ready to listen and ready to receive. Father, I pray against pride. Uh, I pray against distractions in this moment. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So through the first 11 chapters of Mark, you've been hearing about religious leaders that have been trying to entrap Jesus. They have numerous names. You've heard the word Pharisee. You've heard the word scribe. You've heard the word Sadducee. All of these are religious leaders uh, that uh, were looking to ensnare and trap Jesus to discredit uh, the legitimacy of his life, his story, uh, his followers, the church, and Mark 12 is no different. Last week, uh, Scott mentioned the story. He used storytelling to address the accusers of Jesus, uh, that Jesus understood that they were out to get him. They were out to literally murder him, and he wasn't going to be intimidated. In fact, he called them out publicly in a public manner that kind of enraged them. And so after that, it was like, game on, all of these religious leaders were like, we've got to find a way to discredit this man. We have to find a way to, to undo the legitimacy of his story, how he's living, what he's doing. We have to find a way. And that's what we're stepping into in, the, in uh, Mark 12 today. We're in the middle of the chapter. And it says, later, they, those people, they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians, religious leaders, to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, teacher, we know that you're a man of integrity. This is complete. They're being, uh, they're buttering him up and using sarcasm. Uh, you are not swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. And he brings up the issue of taxes. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Tell us yes or no. Should we pay or shouldn't we pay? So they, they approached him with this, this topic that was very controversial in this day because uh, the nation of Israel, who they were a part of, had been given land by God to prosper, to begin growing God's kingdom here on earth. Uh, and now all of a sudden, this land that was theirs, they were being taxed by the Roman government uh, for what they were producing. Now, the, the ironic thing about this, they were profiting on the Ro Roman roads, the Roman protection, all of the Roman civilization that had been established. They were okay with profiting based on the Roman government, but they didn't want to be held accountable for paying taxes. So you hear a little bit of the hypocrisy in these people that are approaching Jesus. And then there was a second group that were called the Sadducees, uh, and they say there is no resurrection Keep that in mind. They say there's no resurrection. They came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, 
Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. This was an Old Testament thing to provide provision uh, for that widow. Uh, Now there were seven brothers. The first one married and died without leaving any children. The second one married the widow, but he also died, leaving no child. It was the same with the third. And in fact... None of the seven left any children for the woman. Last of all, the woman died too. So at the resurrection, which we don't believe in, uh, whose wife will she be since the seven were married to her? I'm hearing like this part, like the irony in them asking this question was the fact that they don't even believe in the resurrection. And, and the, the Pharisees that were asking about tax were, were using that government and those systems to profit. But it was, the irony in this is they pretended to have questions about death and taxes, but they didn't really care about death and taxes. So good news for you. If you knew we were talking about death and taxes and you showed up today, first of all, you are weird that you wanted to hear about this. Just kidding. It might mean that you're willing to learn. And if you're new and you're like, oh my gosh, he's going to talk about death and taxes. What kind of place are we in? I am here to tell you this morning that because these two groups of people did not care about death and taxes, I'm not going to talk about death and taxes. I'm going to talk about the underlying issue that both of these groups had with Jesus, and it's a deep-seated issue that still exists in humanity, is if I can find a way to discredit Jesus, God and the Holy Spirit, and their ministry and their message, then I can selfishly do whatever I want with my life. I can live in any way that I choose if I can discredit their message. And that was their whole purpose behind what they were, what they were uh, addressing with Jesus. Because the first group said this. They said this, to, uh, this is what Jesus said to them. He said, look, give me a coin. And they tossed him a coin. It had the image of uh, Caesar and an inscription of the Roman government on there. He flips it back and he goes, look, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to God what is God's. And then to that group of Sadducees that was pretending to be so concerned about the resurrection and what would happen, he said, look, you don't even believe in what you're talking about. You haven't even read the scripture that you say that you study because if you had, you would believe in resurrection. And you're trying to imagine heaven and the afterlife as being some version of earth 2.0 when in fact it's something completely different that it's difficult for me to even use words to describe to you. You could see that he saw right through the questions they were asking and was probably level 10 annoyed and going, I see the true question. You don't want there to be any kind of accountability between you and my father. You don't want to admit or to acknowledge the fact that God has sent me to redeem humanity. You don't want to acknowledge any of that. Your purpose is just to discredit who I am. And I thought about this, and we're not too far off from those Pharisees, those Sadducees, those, those scribes. We don't like authority. Think about it. Anybody in here like being told what to do? There's, there's probably some people, actually, now that I say that, that do appreciate a good list, you know? 
Like, just tell me what to do, put it in a bullet list, give me check boxes, I will check them off as I go, and you find great satisfaction in that. And then, like in this, there's spouses that are like nudging the person next to them, you know, going, <laughs> that's you, you weirdo, he's talking about you, you know. But by and large, even people that appreciate those lists give permission for those lists to come into their lives. We don't like authority. Like, it's evident. Like, we look for loopholes in taxes. We don't like paying taxes. Uh, anybody enjoy speed limits? You know? We don't like authority. And when it comes to Jesus' authority in our lives, this is hard to admit. We can be as guilty as the Pharisees and Sadducees, all of those religious leaders. We can be just as guilty as they are about trying to discredit Jesus and his message, and his followers, as they were. And this is the evidence that we don't want to talk about. The questions that we present under our breath, or in our minds, or in closed circles that start with, if that's what kind of God that is, I don't want anything to do with that. And you can fill in the blank with what behavior you see. If he truly was God, if God truly did exist... If that's God's church and they behave fill in the blank, we're finding ways to discredit Jesus, his message, or his followers because if we can do that, we're going to start believing this lie that we know a better way, that our way is better. We're going to start believing this lie that is concocted by our enemy. We have this enemy that is out to steal, kill, and destroy us. His name is Satan. And the method that he uses is lies. We will start to believe the lie that we know a better way than God does for our life. And I can speak from my own experience that when our lives are left in the hands of humanity, we tend to do a really good job of wrecking it. Because our way is usually lined with selfishness, um, are the things that we pursue are defined by the world around us, and we become very self-driven, self-focused, um, prideful. But God's way is different, and God's way is better. And I don't bring these things up to simply create this environment of despair. That would be mean, and I don't like bullies. I don't know if you know that about me. I really don't like bullies. I, I don't ever want to be one. I don't like being around them. So I'm not here to bully you this morning, but I do feel called to share some truth with you. And so this is the moment where I get to offer you some hope. Because in that same chapter of Mark, I left a key piece out that is one of the most beautiful parts of chapter 12, in my opinion. And when I read it, it leapt out to me and spoke life. There's this powerful statement that's deeply theological. When he looked at the Pharisees when they were talking about the taxes, and he said this. He said, bring me a denarius and let me look at it. So it turns out that they had a denarius because they were also profiting based on the monetary system but didn't want to pay taxes. Uh, that was, yeah. Uh, they brought the coin and he asked. He held it. Whose image is this? Whose inscription is on this? Is what he said right before he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God 
what is God's. And that statement, whose image and whose inscription, is a deeply theological statement that, that hit to the heart, to the core of who those religious leaders were. It spoke to Old Testament teaching about our image, Old Testament teaching about what has been inscribed or written on the hearts of humanity. And I want to give you some hope as I read some scripture. So if you have your Bibles with you, or if you have the Bible app, you can open up to Genesis chapter 1, or you can follow along on the screen. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So what did God do? So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then again, in the book of Romans, for those God foreknew... He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Then in 1 Corinthians, and just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. Doesn't stop there, 2 Corinthians now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, there is freedom. So he's describing a place where freedom's going to come. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into, that's right, his image, with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, doesn't come from our efforts, who is the Spirit. Third city, this... This gives me a piece of conviction and a piece of hope. You are the image bearer of the God that created the universe. You bear his unique image. Have you truly ever considered what that means? That you bear the image of creator God. The God that put mountains together, ran rivers, oceans to its depths, all of the creatures, everything else in creation is just beautiful and has been created by a creator, but nothing in all of creation bears the image of God except who you look at in the mirror each morning. That is a deeply theological truth that we have to wrestle with. Your dogs, your cats that are at home right now, they are not contemplating the complexities of their relationship, where they're gonna go for eternity. Uh, they are not concerned with uh, creating a beautiful piece of artwork for the sake of beauty. They are concerned about where they're going to regurgitate their meal on their carpet while you're in here this morning. They're, they're concerned on when you're gonna scoop the litter box next. They wanna know Will there be food in their food dish before they go to bed tonight? They want to know, will you get home in time to let them out, or will the results of that be on your rug? Like that, They don't contemplate the things that we do because they are not made 
in the image of their creator. Third city, you bear the image of God. Your soul is evident is evidence that God exists. That truth, even that truth by itself should alter the way that you you get up and plan your life. That truth in itself should alter the way that you love the people around you. That truth should change the way that you you work, the way that you lead your workers, uh, the way that you you accomplish schoolwork. It should change your attitude. It should change everything. The fact that you are an image bearer of your creator. That is wonderful, wonderful news. I'm so grateful that I'm made uh, not in the image of anything but our creator God. So what about the inscription? A coin had an inscription of the Roman government in the image of Caesar. Jeremiah 31, 33, I want you to listen to these words. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. Hear this. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. You're both the image bearer, and the law of God has been inscribed, has been written on your hearts. You know the evidence of this. I talked to you about the evidence of you being made in the image of God, the the evidence that God's law, even if you've never set foot in a church, being written on your heart, even at a young age when you've done something wrong, when you know that you've sinned, You understand that you're not supposed to lie. You instinctively know that you should not take the life of another person. Why why would that be? It's because the law of God has been inscribed on your heart. It's the whole reason that a two-year-old, when he was told not to eat the cookies, and he eats the cookies, you find him behind the chair like this. It's because he instinctively knows because the law of God has been inscribed on his heart. Give to Caesar, give to the world what belongs to the world. The pursuit of status, uh, the pursuit of power, the pursuit of prestige, uh, the, the pursuit of approval. Give to the world what belongs to the world. God says, give to me what belongs to me, and that is you and your soul. All of this comes down to trust. Those religious leaders, when they saw Jesus, they looked at him and they go, I can't trust him. He's upending everything that that defines my life and my comforts. I cannot trust that man. I will tell you, I had a friend in Omaha explain to me an easy way to be able to define trustworthy people. And this is a parenting nugget for you parents that are in here. Uh, You can use this with your children. I I have constantly looked at my children and I go, my desire for you is to keep trustworthy people closest to you. And you can evaluate who's trustworthy very quickly. Trustworthy person would never ask you to do something that was going to harm you physically. Trustworthy person would never ask you to do anything that goes against the will of God in your life. Would never ask you to do something like that. And I love the third one. Trustworthy person would never ask you to keep a secret from your mom or dad. You want that parenting gold nugget? You just stuff that in your pocket right there. That's how you evaluate whether or not a person is trustworthy. If they fail any of those, 
out the door, keep them at arm's length. Jesus checks the box on matching all of those. He's never going to ask you directly to do something that is going to physically harm you. He is never going to ask you to do anything that goes against God's will for your life. And yeah, he's not going to ask you to keep a secret from your mom and dad. But these Pharisees, because they, had, they didn't want to be held accountable, they rejected who he was. Don't reject who Jesus is and who his message is. Every week, we get to take communion here at Third City. And I love it because it's a reminder for me of his trustworthiness. Jesus is who he says he is, did what he said he's going to do, and is going to return again someday. And we're reminded of that when we take communion. Jesus' trustworthy character, that he's worthy of our worship. And, And we get to take the bread and we're reminded of his body that's broken on a cross for us. And we take the juice and we're reminded of the the blood that covers all of our mistakes today, yesterday, tomorrow. Today, as as you take this bread, and as you eat it, and as you take this cup, and you drink it, I'd like you to consider one more thing. Do you find yourself in a place where you need to point to God and tell Him that He is trustworthy and He is worthy of your life? Do you need to acknowledge that you as an image bearer of God need to give back to God what belongs to him? Maybe it's your first Sunday here. This whole message is new to you. And you're just here because your life is, uh, maybe you've been the one that has been living life without accountability. It's been a little chaotic and you go, man, I don't know what I'm doing. Like someone put me behind the wheel of this airplane and I don't know how to fly it. Hey, his way is better. He's worthy. He's trustworthy. And his way is better. And maybe you need to take steps towards that. So you need to stop by the hub, grab someone that's got a name tag or even looks like they're in charge and go, hey, I've got to talk to somebody today. Because he is worthy of our praise. He is trustworthy. And even though we don't want to talk about it, we need his accountability in our life. So third city in scripture, when things are repeated, it's for emphasis because it turns out sometimes people need to hear things more than once before they land. Shake up the ground of all my tradition. Break down the walls of all of my religion because your way is better. Your way is better, God. Here's where I lay it down. 
you are all that I'm chasing now. This is my surrender. The words that you sing are prayers set, set to music. I truly believe that as you sing those words, as you sang those words, as you sing the songs of this next one, you truly wrap your arms around this concept. He is trustworthy. We can trust him. And his way is better. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.